You're listening to Steal My Strategy, the show where we talk to smart people who invite you to copy, review, and remix practical ideas you can apply to life and business. Are you ready? Let's get to it. In this bonus episode of the Steal My Strategy podcast, we've uncovered a discussion host Robert Sophia had with Brittany Castro during a recorded webinar. Brittany is a certified financial planner, speaker, host, and brand ambassador. She's worked alongside top brands like Chase, Mint, E-Trade, CNBC, Gemini, Airbnb, Zoom, and more. Together, they peel back the curtain on the importance of branding, Brittany's secrets for maintaining a unique identity, and where financial advisors can start to cement their brand into the minds of their audience. Let's get started. You probably have seen her online somewhere. If you are an advisor and you follow advisor media, um, Brittany is very prolific. In fact, I would say, Brittany, I think you are a personal branding force of nature. I when thank comes, you. <laughs> when it comes to branding, you, you really have, have made a dominant brand for yourself. And I know it's not by accident. Thanks so much. You're very kind with your compliments. Let, let me ask you this, Brittany. When people listen to you today and you share your insights and the way that you've accomplished this, some of them may feel like they could never do what you've done. That it just, it's, it seems like way too much, like it could be impossible. So what would you say to somebody who watches this, compares themselves with you and says, I just can't get to that level? Well, you got to start. I would just say start. And actually, it's interesting. I think it's so much easier now than when I started mm -hmm. um, because everybody is on line, social media, TikTok, Reels. Um, so even like the, maybe the gates that were there like eight, 10 years ago when I was starting, it's like not even affecting people today. And especially after 2020, I feel like everybody created video content, went online. So there was no more like, oh, you're a professional and you shouldn't be using Instagram for your business. Like there, that mindset is completely gone. You know, like if you're a business, you should be on Instagram. Like, so I think the, the progression of when I started to where it's at now is even easier for people to get started. But I think that's just it, like get started, you know, because it just takes time and it takes practice and effort. And if it's something that you want to do, and I've pretty much would assume everybody here on this webinar wants to grow a business or sustain their business and enhance their branding and marketing. That's why they're here. Um, this is such a great conversation and a great time to be doing it. So let's talk about the difference for just a minute between a personal yeah. brand and a business brand, because it's very clear that you have a personal brand, but your business financially wise is not Brittany Castro Inc., so how do you how do you reconcile this? What is the place for an advisor's personal brand versus their business presence? Where like I mean, let's face it, nobody wants to see boring pictures of the inside of a conference room on Instagram, right? So there's a how do you how do you pull this off to have both? Well, I think it comes down to like the personal um, goals of each advisor. So for me, it was very easy to determine that when I first started because I knew 
my goal was to be like a media personality and a financial expert that was speaking at conferences and webinars and getting what we call influencer partnership deals. So that was like a clear vision I had had. So I always knew like, I need to brand Brittany Castro. My business, of course, is going to be kind of connected to that. But let's say I change my business or like change the services or products. Like I didn't want it just to be connected so much that I would have to start all over. I wanted my name, my brand to just be something that was sustainable, regardless of if, if it was with Financially Wise or another business that I launch in the future and people to know me as you know, obviously a financial expert, but if I expanded and evolved, they would know me also as just Brittany Castro. So that was for me personally, which I think is the most important thing. And you'll say this too, is like, everybody has to figure out what are their unique goals. Because when we look at other people, you might think like, oh, well, Robert's doing this or Brittany's doing this. I should do that. But if your goals are so different, no, you really shouldn't, you know, um, be doing that. You really need to figure out what is your business? What are the goals that you have for the business and then figure out the personal element. But I will say, even if you have a business that's very like corporate and you want to like, you know, keep like a financial planning firm brand, you still need to showcase the people of that company because we live in a time where it's all about the people, right? It's the stories, the people, that connection emotionally with, and and the people are going to be like almost like the heart and soul of that company. So if you're not able to showcase it well it doesn't mean you need to be able to like 100 personal brands with all of the people but if you're not showcasing them it's going to be very difficult i think for a consumer or client to engage with you and stay engaged because i think it's more about like staying engaged mm-hmm. as the world changes yeah for those of you who don't know Brittany is extremely influential um and correct me if any of this is wrong Brittany, but you you've been one of the top 100 most influential advisors and investopedias list every year since 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, you have been doing, I mean, you've appeared in Elle magazine. You've got a, pro, a presence on TikTok and on Instagram and on Twitter and on yeah. like literally every social platform, CNBC, CNN, Good Day LA, writing for publications from the New York Times to Women's World to Investment News. So what haven't you done, Brittany? I've been around the block. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. Like, yeah, I've done a lot. And thank you for saying all of that. Um, but it's been a fun journey too, you know, and I think all of it was very in alignment with my original vision. But I, now it's interesting to see even like, as you're saying all of that, like, cause I feel like I'm in this new evolution of my career where I'm like, actually launching into the next chapter and like excited about a lot of new things that I'm doing. Um, but yeah, it, it's all been very, very helpful and crucial, I guess, to my success. What we're going to do today is, is we're going to take some key branding concepts yeah. and get your input on them and, and how you've pulled them off. So one of the things that, please don't be offended by this, but I've noticed about your oh. brand is that you have made it very clear and evident and by your style and everything that you've done that your primary market has been women. That's mm-hmm. been historically the case. Now... Some might say, and this is the part I don't want to be offended by, but because of your style and the way you approach it, you know, you, you, you're not going to have a brand that has very broad appeal. Mm-hmm. But it seems the opposite is true. That in fact, because of your brand being so unique and stand out and focused, it's actually created a broader appeal. So sometimes advisors get hung up with doing something that they feel is going to exclude an audience. You seem to have done 
the opposite by completely embracing your audience. So, so tell me, Brittany, how for advisors who are unsure of how to approach their personal branding in a way that really appeals to the right demographic, how, how did you go about this? How did this evolve? Yeah, it's interesting um, because I remember specifically when I was launching my brand, I wanted to focus on the women demographic as a niche so I could build credibility in a specific niche and get some like traction. And I actually had people, financial advisors, like one of my managers at the firm before say, oh, that's silly. Why are you niching yourself for women professionals? And I thought, what? That makes no sense. Like, why wouldn't I niche myself like and, and get a name for myself? Because like trying to appeal to everybody just seemed like everybody is already doing that. I'm never going to like become known in the industry if I'm just like one of another people. And so I think that was kind of like, reminders like huh interesting that he disagrees with my opinion i'm going to prove him wrong i remember that i kind of had that like oh i'm going to show you <laughs> um but i think it is very helpful to niche because like i said if you look at it everybody is a financial advisor everybody's trying to get clients everybody's trying to get the high net worth clients and that was what i saw like everybody was going after the same people the baby boomers at that time when i started and I thought, well, this lame, like, I don't want to go after the same people everybody else is going after. I want to like, say I'm doing like this group over here that feels underserved to me. And like, when I looked at all the stats and I put on my business hat, I was like, well, actually women are like the ones who are going to be inheriting more, more wealth of America. They feel very underserved. I would hear it personally from people like I'm smart and educated and I feel like I'm so dumb when I talk to people in the financial industry. So I would hear it and I just realized there was a huge opportunity for me to go fill that gap. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning that that really did help me like the more I like you said, like focus, I just put my head down in this specific brand or, or community, then it started to like make waves and people started to notice and then i started to get more like expansion in terms of appeal and and i look at what people do now with TikTok and reels and i'm like oh man i mean why was i so worried 10 years ago you know like the stuff people put up now for content i'm like oh it's just like free for all but um I remember even like in the beginning, I would make videos and people would comment like this video is stupid or it sucks or why are you like, I, you know, because I was like playful with financial content and it rubbed people the wrong way in the industry. And I was like, good, I'm glad it's rubbing you the wrong way because actually it wasn't made for you. Like I'm not making it for other financial advisors. I'm making my content for the people who feel so annoyed with financial advisors and want someone who's just real and relatable and um, can like. I don't know, not even like hip, but like be with the times. Like we're in a time where people need to feel that relationship with the professionals they work with. So let's talk about that for a minute, the the basics. So a lot of yeah. your content is playful. I mean, I've seen your TikTok videos. They're educational, but they are basic yeah. in many cases. Mm -hmm. And sometimes because advisors are technical and they have advanced knowledge, they want to share that. Why do you tend to keep what you share in your marketing and content on a more basic personal finance, basic financial planning concepts level instead of being more technical, which I know you have the expertise? Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. I think in the beginning, that was kind of what the market 
was accepting, but I am actually, as I'm evolving, I'm going to get more technical with the content because I think there is a level of now the marketplace is like, okay, there's people talking about it in videos. It's, you don't have to be so basic anymore. And I think just with all the shifts last year alone, like a lot more people are interested in investing, are interested in what is crypto and how does it fit into their portfolio? So my content, um, as we progress and uh, moving forward is going to get more and more of the nitty gritty because I think that's important. Like I've built the foundation and now I felt like, feel like the marketplace is ready to get more nitty gritty from, and like me, I always just think, well, I'm a CFP, I have credentials, I have the experience. So that's my unique play on this. You know, there's lots of people creating content, but for me, I always think like, well, my uniqueness comes from like my style and personality and the fact that I was a financial advisor for many years. But yeah, I think it's just kind of like the times, right? Like timing of it all. Yeah. So let's talk about the, the places that you show up, Brittany, and the way you do content. So I've noticed yeah. that very often it has a entertaining component. It's sometimes humorous. You know, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. I've noticed the way you use memes and GIFs and videos and things like that. So there's a, a branding concept that I'm sure you know well that the things people remember are the things they have an emotional connection with. Mm -hmm. And so when you are able to be in a place where your ideal client is having a emotional experience and you associate your brand with that, you make yourself more memorable. You make a permanent imprint. And I've noticed that you do this. Uh, you seem to know your audience very well. You know what kind of content will make them smile or laugh or engage them in a meaningful way. And that's what you mm -hmm. put out. But that's, that requires a level of intuition and marketing expertise. H how have you managed to accomplish this? And how would you recommend advisors go about doing this as well so they can be creating the right emotional experiences in the places where their clients show up? Yeah, it's a good, good question. Um, I mean, I think it's just trial and error and just being so like in tune with who you're talking to. You know, luckily for me, I'm, a lot of my content is for people like me, you know, like other professionals in their thirties and, you know, who can laugh now a little bit more about life. It's not so serious, like still educational, but like you can spoof on things. And so I think it just takes some trial and error. Like if you're an advisor who let's say you're going after, um, I don't know, like tech business people. I mean, there's like jokes going on in that community that you can just like find a way to incorporate money even baby boomers. I mean, every demographic has kind of like its humor or, or like things that they could relate to and to bring it out, especially as it relates to money. I think it's so important because first of all, every brand is already doing it. So like, if you're not doing that kind of stuff, you're like missing out because like every brand is producing memes. And I kind of cannot tell you how many like FinTech companies I follow now who have just launched and they're hilarious with their content and i'm thinking wow like i should even go more because these brands are pushing the limit now like now it's there's almost if you're not funny <laughs> you're you know like you're not standing out you're not doing your brand justice not that every post has to be funny as you said like i have funny ones and i have like more just charts and graphic kind of ones and then i do like videos so i try to keep it balanced even now i'm thinking because I kind of, to be honest, took like a year where I was just like chilling and I was kind of trying to figure out what my inspiration is going to be. 
And now I have like this new vision of like how we're going to push the limits even more. Cause that's also part of my, I'm a very creative person. So it's very much in tune with my own um, intuition and like trying to just evolve myself and figure out what's going to be a cool new way to talk about the same thing that we've said a zillion times in our content <laughs> um, to make it now just relatable even more. Yeah. And what would you say to an advisor who is not necessarily creative or maybe they don't view themselves as naturally funny, but this is, this is an important element of making their brand relatable. Well, they should hire a team like hire agencies like yours or, you know, there's so many social media consultants out there and especially the young ones uh, right out of college. Like last week I was just on a set. There was a social media consultant there just literally getting TikTok videos for, for behind the scenes. And that was his purpose. And I'm thinking, you know, people, they're available. You just have to be a little bit smart about how you find them. But if you're not, if you are more technical, analytical, that's fine. Like, um, but you can find somebody, whether it's an agency or a team or just one person to help you create content using your knowledge, using all of your like expertise, but translating it in a way that's going to be engaging on social media. Because look, social media is supposed to be like fun. To me, I think of social media and I think, yeah, we all get our news and stuff from it too. For me, social media, it's like, I, I also don't take it too seriously. Like if I see something on social media, I'm like, oh, interesting. That's like a news. I'm going to go look it up. You know, like I just kind of use it as like, maybe it indicates something to me and then I go do my own research. So I think when you, as an advisor, don't try to be like, you're so professional and every expertise, you know, has to be on social media. No, it's kind of like, you're just trying to engage with the people and then get them to come back like to your website or wherever it is you want to drive them to, you know, but don't take social media so seriously. And if you don't take it so seriously, you'll probably do really well. Yeah. That's excellent advice actually. And it's a low stakes activity. It's not like you've invested a tremendous amount of time and money no. into a social media post, but it gives you a chance to experiment, build an audience, make yourself relatable. And that's what people expect there in that medium. Yeah. So that's, that's very good advice. Now, now Brittany, you have spent a lot of time, on your personal brand, at least it appears that way. Your your persona, your appearance, the way you invest in photography and the quality of your videos and things like that. It seems to make you very unique. So another branding concept here is, is that people generally tune out things that are very typical. In other words, we, you know, our amygdala actually filters out things that we've seen before. It's like, wait, you know, we've or our thalamus gland, rather. It's, it's a filter. So if, if we've seen it, if it's not special, if it's not unique, we ignore it. But if it is, we stop, we get curious, and we get interested. So it seems like you've crafted your brand to actually be more interesting and unique, um, to set yourself apart from other advisors. Uh, everybody, obviously, is an individual, and it seems you use your individuality in a way that's very beneficial. Is that something that came naturally to you? Or are there, there are things that you've specifically invested in or things you've worked on to get to this point where you have a very bold, unique personality and persona that generates interest? I've definitely worked on it. I mean, I think in the beginning, if you look at my content, it was like pretty boring. <laughs> like, you know, I was still pretty buttoned up. But um, I think as I progress, you get more and more comfortable with your, I don't know, like your tone that you're talking or like how much of your personality you're willing to share and, 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 you know, I've invested a lot in marketing, 
courses or branding courses and reading books and mentors, you know, so I've done a lot of work behind the scenes to also develop the brand and feel comfortable. I think in the beginning, yeah, it was a lot more structured, meaning like I had to put in a lot of time to figure out who is my customer and what is my brand and do all that branding homework where you go through so many activities to kind of formulate the color palette, the aesthetic, the the way you talk to, you know, in your copy. Now, because, you know, I've done it for many years, it's just kind of in me. Um, but I think that's also very important for advisors to realize they have to invest in this stuff. I mean, it's not just going to come from out of nowhere. You have to put time and effort and depending on your own personal style, maybe you hire a team, maybe you do it all yourself, but you have to figure it out. I mean, and even me, just so you guys know, like I'm working with my team now to develop a new color palette, like a new aesthetic, um, like new fonts. Because I, like you said, I do like to stand out. Like I want to keep my content unique to me. I look at inspiration from what other brands, mainly non-financial brands, by the way, I tend to never look at financial brands. I like to just look at other brands that I would just naturally resonate, see what they're up to in their content and get inspired and then find my own unique version of like doing it. And as we know, social media changes daily. So you constantly have to like filter what changes do you need to make in your content as all of the social media changes around us? You know, some of it I just don't even worry about because you can't, you can't naturally keep up with everything that goes on in social media, but you just find your way to incorporate the things that you feel are important and big and then keep learning what the rest of the updates are as we go. Yeah. You said working with your team who is on your team? If, if an advisor wants to build a strong personal brand like this, who do they need in their corner? Right now is just my, so I have a social media manager and then my, like, I guess she's like my website graphic designer, like all the things that we need to create. So whether I create creating PDFs, if I'm doing updates to my website or creating a new course online, she's the one like designing all of that. And then I have a social media manager who helps map out all the content, post it. So our, our system is very organized to the point where like, I'll tell her maybe like specific themes we need to talk about during the month, like for September, you know, like there's a, an array of topics we're going to be talking about. I'm developing video content as it relates to those topics. And then she's like, you know, creating charts and the graphics to go with it. Um, and then we schedule everything out like two weeks at least in advance. So um, she uses Later, which is a program where you can schedule all of the posts in there. And then I approve captions, edit captions and that sort of thing. So we've been working together now where she knows like my, my tone and such, but I still approve every piece of content that goes out. And I think that's important for advisors is maybe it's not like depending on how big the firm is, maybe it's not you personally, but you still need somebody who's going to be overseeing the content with the team. And I think that's very important. It's important for me because I'm very much a personal brand. Like I never want my content. And I've even like had content pulled down because I felt like, oh, that actually didn't hit the mark and it feels off. Let's take it off or something. But I think that's very important because my brand is very personal. But depending on your firm, if there's one person, 10 advisors, you know, make sure that somebody's overseeing the content. Don't get stale with that. Don't like drop the ball because, um, you know, it might not seem like a big deal that you're pushing out just an Instagram post, but like, honestly, people will see it and they might 
have a judgment over your brand. That's right. You know, Brittany, what you touched on is, is so important because even at Snappy Crack and a lot of our users, they will see that they have to go in and decide what content they want to yeah. use. And they feel like that's too much work and they just say, well, just can't you just auto post everything for us? And uh, we actually encourage them to make sure that they do that because it is tied to their brand and, and not everything we produce may be spot on for them. But when you're the curator, it's your brand, you're safeguarding it, or you have somebody you really trust doing that, it makes a big difference. And, and that is important. Now, now, Brittany, actually another uh, key concept that I, I want to just ask you about, and it relates to the level of consistency that we've noticed you using. So for example, yeah. over time, all research shows the way humans behave, the more we are exposed to something, the more we begin to prefer it. It's actually called the mere exposure effect. So as, as we get exposed to foods, they can be an acquired taste. Music is the same way and even brands. So consistency matters. We've noticed you're very consistent, but that raises another question, which is how do you do it all? Because you managed to grow a significant practice which you also recently sold. You did this while you were building this brand. And I know as advisors, it, it's very easy to feel I don't have time. I'm busy. There's not enough hours in the day. I can't be a professional marketer and brand builder and run a financial planning practice. How did you do it? Well, I'm really good at time management. And, um, and I think you just learn efficient hacks along the way. You know, I, um, like you said, I worked with private clients for, well, 15 years in total, but when I had my RAA, eight years doing both, you know, running the marketing side of it, working with brands and brand partnerships and having my private clients, you know, and I had a pair planner assistant help there and I had my social media manager help here, but I was just very, very good at time management. I wasn't working like 15 hour days. Like I, I kind of want to like demyth some of this because I think people have this idea that you got to work nonstop. And yes, as a business owner, you kind of do have to work nonstop, but I was just very good with boundaries and, and scheduling things. And, and I would do a lot of block scheduling for marketing. So what I mean by that is we produce like all my video, like I make eight videos in one day, you know? And then, so now we have like a month worth of videos we're posting on social media. And I like, I still to this day will write scripts, mainly bullet points if it's just like for my own Instagram and stuff like that. But it helps with efficiency. And also then it helps double down on content because then my social media manager can just pull content and then she plugs into like graphics, right? So I've, I've written the content, now I'm using it in a video form and she also has it where she can then put it in a written form somewhere. Emails, I do the same thing. If I'm gonna create email campaigns or if we're promoting emails outside of just my monthly newsletter, I sit down and write them all in a block time. So it's just, it's a little, it's just calendaring <laughs> because marketing to me doesn't take that much time if you just do it well like wisely but you should never drop the ball on marketing and actually that was like something i learned very very early on like you could be the best financial planner in the world but like if you have no clients well who cares right so i think it was just ingrained in me to never drop the ball on marketing even if like times were slower, even like revenue wise, you never cut marketing budget first, even though you want to. Like I just was one of those people that was like, okay, we're gonna market no matter what, you know? Even if I was like working on selling the practice, I was marketing, you know? So I think it just was ingrained in me and um, 
I think a lot of advisors just get scared because they like anything when you first start, it does take longer. Like for example, if you're just doing your first blog post or your first video, of course it's going to take longer, but as you do it, and if you do it monthly, you're going to get better at it, more efficient with it. And then you just like do the task and you don't really think so much about it. And now you just have this like system in your business. Momentum builds for sure. Yeah. Very good advice. So this time blocking concept is really good. And by the way, we do the exact same thing. In fact, I was in the studio two weeks ago. We recorded about 16 videos in that day. And they were all short clips, but now we've got a lot of content for a long period of time. So we, we do that. It is a good practice. But when you time block and shoot a bunch of videos. Uh, do you need to do wardrobe changes to make sure that it doesn't look like you did all your videos at once? Does that matter? <laughs> you have to wear different clothes. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course, I will say yes, I wear different outfits. So the way that I do my shoots is like, um, if I do eight videos, I have eight outfits. I'll pro- maybe I'll do hair and makeup in the morning, just depending on how much production I want to put into it. I mean, over the last year, I think production was really like minimal just because everybody's at home making videos and I was literally at home making my own videos. So I didn't even have like a camera guy or like a makeup person anymore. It was just like me. But I do think it's wise unless it's some sort of like series of educational content or an email marketing series to change your clothes because then it just makes, it's kind of like, again, going back to what you said earlier, Robert, like making yourself unique. Yeah, you could wear the same clothes and that could be fine. And I'm sure no one would really care at the end of the day. But what if you did change your clothes, you know, then it would be like that much more effort you put into it. And that to me much more like you're standing out with your work totality to make yourself like, yeah, I made these eight videos, we cared about me wearing a different outfit. It just shows a little I think it's just going like above and beyond production value makes a difference. And those I are things think so. that people pick up on, even maybe not yeah. obviously, but on a subconscious level. Well, it's funny because you pick up on it when I remember when you wrote um, in your book, the excerpt about me, you said, Brittany is something like fashion. And I was like, oh, that's funny because I never even think of myself as fashionable, maybe because I live in LA and it's like <laughs> compared to the fashion people here, I'm like nothing. But it, I, I understood your perspective and I appreciated it because I was like, oh, well, I do change every outfit. Like I try to make it look different aesthetically every time. Every now and then you'll see like the same outfit, but very rarely. Um, and that was just like an important part of what I want, of the content I wanted to put out. Yeah. Let's talk about a couple of different types of content that you've produced. So we spent a lot of time talking about social media and short videos and things of that nature. But I also want to point out that you've done for example, e-learning courses and training series and classes. And, and there's a difference between, as you said earlier, something that maybe is interesting and people click on, but that doesn't necessarily build a lot of credibility. Maybe they laughed at it, they remember you, they like it, but now you've got to really build credibility. It seems like you, you always have a, a complementary course or other path for people to go down that will get them closer to you in the brand. Can you tell us about this, your financially wise courses and and series and you know how advisors can can go about you know even tackling something which can feel completely overwhelming like this absolutely and you're going to be so proud of me because i just updated all of my funnels for all of my courses so they're now all connected and we're going to like start to actually put some ad money (laughs) awesome Um, that is exciting i know it took it takes time 
So this one here, I just switched that to an investor free video um, because everybody was so interested in investing. So I also change it like once a year, I change the free offering. Um, and I know like you would probably um, advocate the more sophisticated you get, you can even have multiple offerings going at one time and then you're just still funneling people to your email list. So the idea there with the freebie is obviously just getting people like from social media to your email list, right? Because they could see your posts, follow you on Instagram, but ideally you want them in your database, then you could market to them. So that one is the investor toolkit now. And then from there, we'll, we upsell a $7 product. And once they go through that email sequence and we go to the $197 product to the 397, and then we eventually talk about financial planning, which I actually have a referral relationship with a firm. So we still promote financial planning and those services are like starting in the thousands, right? So we've officially, I'm so happy because I officially like connected all of those email sequences because I finally finished the investing product, which was a missing product for like a few years. So that's how it goes. And that's, that's important. And people kind of get afraid. Maybe I'm emailing my person too much or, well, they just signed up for the freebie and now you're selling them something. Well, duh, like you're a business. I mean, I don't think anybody's gonna like, uh, people know, like, first of all, people like Google's listening to us and we get ads like based on something I just, you know, talked about with you, Robert. So it's not the same as it was five years ago, even last year, to be honest, like when people come sign up for a free download, they know what's going to happen. You're going to email them for something else and something else. And the whole point is in those emails to not piss them off, right? <laughs> you want to yeah. just like build the rel relatable emotional connection. Even if they don't buy your products, you're still giving them value with these emails or whatever it is they signed up for. And they're just going to have a good good taste in their mouth so when they are ready a year from now two years from now they'll remember you and they'll come back and i i've just seen this you know many of our clients that would convert would be like oh i've been on your email list for a few years or i've been following you on social media for a few years and now i'm finally ready for financial planning or and i get a lot of my speaking gigs too just from financial planning uh i'm sorry through our social media like i don't mm -hmm. pitch a lot they just it's all what we call inbound marketing, right? Like leads were inbound marketing. So from day one, I just was like, I need to do inbound marketing for my RIA. I never want to make one phone call again to a prospect. And I just made it happen. And we would get like 40 new clients a year, which was good because I was doing fee only planning. I wasn't like a wealth manager kind of um, practice. Um, but that was very doable. And that felt really like successful for us. And I never had to be on the phone. Um, I would just come every week and um, I would have these discovery session co consult calls booked, you know, from our website, they would just sign up for the call, sign up for the call. So it's very doable. Um, but the idea with those campaigns is to get them back to your website to do something. Yeah. Okay, Brittany. So you've talked about these funnels that you build. You've talked about TikTok videos, Instagram, <laughs> I mean, uh, you're working with your designer on your website, picking your brand, your wardrobe. I mean, that's a lot to, to, for somebody to just dive into all that. It's, it would be far too much to tackle at once. So if someone sees where you are today and they know they'd like to get there, but they can't take all this on at once, where, where should they start? Start with your bread and butter. Year one, I just did financial planning. That was all I marketed. Behind the scenes, I was creating like, 
more things, but all I did in year one was get my financial planning website funnel system down. That was it. You know, that was like making sure the brand was good, where people would click to schedule the consult call, where then we would have the automated email sequence from there. All the social media was just promoting that. So I think year one or wherever you're starting, just make sure your website call to actions are good. Meaning like if someone came to your website, what do you want them to do? <laughs> like, what is the main thing, right? And make sure that it's compelling enough and easy enough for them. So they're not like, oh, I just filled out this form and it was such a headache or I'm going to come back because this form took too long and I, I got my kids pulled me away or something. So I would just say, your one focus on the number one thing that's going to bring you revenue for me that was financial planning that was my revenue like i needed to make money that was how i made money so that was what i focused on and then i think in year two i created the first course and that took like about a year just to like get it all up and running so i think that's very important and it's really hard to focus especially now i think we all want to do everything all at once but i'll tell you focusing is so clutch <laughs> to staying in the game long term and the more you can focus, I think the more success you'll have. And, and just in terms of like social media, I would say year one, just get your social media presence like solid with a brand. You don't have to post five days a week. You post two, two times a week and it's just really good content and you're doing it consistently. You have a brand aesthetic and that's it. And then the more you go, the more systems you'll develop, then you could get more and more out there. But in, in the beginning, you just got to focus. Yeah, that's good advice, Brittany. Good advice. Brittany, if if you had to give one piece of advice related to getting noticed when it's such a crowded market and there are so many advisors competing for attention and, and actually standing out, what, what, what's done it for you the most? I think a niche market and storytelling. So the more people can know who you are targeting like if they come to your website, it should be very clear. You're working with business owners in their forties, or you're with working with tech people who have stock options, or you're working with young families, you know, who just had a kid. Um, it should be very clear. Like that is number one to get noticed and stand out. And then I think number two is just being able to story tell. So being able to say why, are you the one to help them? <laughs> like what makes you the person that they want to like and trust and hire as their financial planner? So that means you got to find a way. You don't have to share everything. I don't share everything about my life. Um, even though it might seem that way, don't. I, there's so much private, but you have to find a way to story tell. So people feel that emotional connection to you and will say, you know what? even though this other firm maybe has a little more bells and whistles or whatever they're offering. I liked Robert. Robert just seems like my person. And I was able to feel that from the website or read about him. And I like heard his story of why he's doing what he's doing. And it just feels like he's going to be the person for us. They'll, they'll choose that yeah, over right. like the bells and whistle. If they like you and feel that connection with you, they're going to choose you. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Brittany, what types of software did you utilize to create your own videos? And do you recommend any video how to resources? Well, in the beginning, I think I had like an actual camera, like, <laughs> uh, I bought myself one of those cameras set up, you know, whatever for YouTube, I had the light kits. Now you can film on your freaking iPhone, just get yourself a light kit on Amazon, 
and film them on your iPhone and the video quality is amazing. And you just save the video and you could promote it, put it on a YouTube or wherever, like embed it somewhere. If you do want a little more production, like I do sometimes, depending on which videos I'm doing, I will hire a videographer who brings his own camera and just films it and edits it for me based on what I tell him. Mm -hmm. But that costs more money. So it's just depending on what you want to do. And then video tutorials, how to, um, maybe just watch other other people and how they're doing it. Like depending if you're just doing a straight to camera, if you're just talking for five minutes, maybe you want to incorporate graphics or open up, like, you know, open with a question or trending topic, then answer the question or talk about the topic and then do some sort of closing call to action. I mean, the formula could be pretty simple, like an opening, middle and close. But I think just depending on what type of video, maybe you're going to add some graphics just for visual stimulation to keep someone engaged, but that's helpful. But yeah, I would just say watch other people's videos and see kind of styles that are out there and what, what would be best for you. Yeah. Do you think it's really important to incorporate other visuals, you know, in video editing, or can you just film yourself discussing the message that you want to relay? It depends. If you're like very animated and you can keep someone engaged, you probably don't need a lot of graphics. I just produced a series of crypto videos for my YouTube channel. It was actually like sponsored with a company, but I um, added graphics because I just wanted to keep it kind of engaged depending on your market too. Like I just did a video shoot last week and it's going to be so heavy graphic because the demographic is like 25 and under like 18 to 25 and they just need like <laughs> yes, short choppy, <laughs> choppy and graphics. So I mean, the way that those videos are going to get edited will be very, you know, produced, but I think it just depends who you, who your target market is. But I would say at a bare minimum, put some graphics. That's nice. Even if you just put the opening title and your, and your name and maybe the question of the video and some call to action, just so people can see like visually. Yeah. It is good advice. And and by the way, you mentioned editors and, and you also mentioned the audience and those things are so key because first of yeah. all, video editors are affordable. They are online. You can tell, you can tell them what style you want them to edit. You can give them examples and they can edit for your audience. So knowing your audience is, is really important. And those are good reminders, Brittany. I just want to mention to everybody, Brittany is a case study in my new book just released yeah. blend out. She is a great example of this, and the book actually goes into more detail of how you can do many of the things Brittany's talked about. A lot of the uh, principles we discussed today are included in the book, so uh, you can get your copy at blendoutbook.com. You can even download a free chapter, so feel free to, uh, to do that if you're interested in branding and how you can get noticed and stand out. But Brittany, you're the expert on with us today, so some more questions for you. I'm working on building a website. How can I draw more people to it? Ooh, good question. Maybe put a nice, compelling offer on the uh, above the fold. So what that means is, depending on where you're viewing the website, whether it's your phone, a desktop, or laptop, make sure whatever call to action you have for your website is not something they have to scroll to see. <laughs> so it's called above the fold. So make something compelling. Um, and then I would even say, depending if you want to create more of a personal brand, maybe you put a picture of yourself or an opening video something that would just be like, you know, right when you go on the website, there's something enticing them. So usually free offering and some sort of photo or video is great. Good advice. Absolutely true. Uh, Brittany, here's another question. You mentioned different types of videos, some you produce yourself and some that you have professionally done. How do you decide which to spend the money on? 
Yeah. So, well, my work is a little bit unique now because I do a lot of brand uh, partnerships. So I'm hired as an influencer to create content for specific brands. So a lot of times those videos that I do with them will be way more produced, meaning like we have a videographer and we spend like a day creating like six or eight videos. Obviously for TikTok and Instagram, those are never produced. Those are just like very much ideas and we make it happen. And with those platforms, by the way, the amount of video editing you could do is like so cool. Like you could produce some really cool videos just with all of their features in that app. Like the things that we're able to do these days is like mind blowing. I, I was actually just in there yesterday thinking like, wow, you know, voiceovers, like all the things you could just do within an app. So I guess when it's more like a, an email sequence, like for example, if it's for a product that I'm selling or an email campaign that's going to be evergreen or for one of my brand partnerships, those are way more produced, like a video editor uh, and videographer. And then if it's just like for my Instagram or it's like my own YouTube video, I just do it on my iPhone. Yeah. So especially for social media, it sounds like you don't invest a lot in those videos, but if it's for your website or something like that, you might invest more into it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. yeah and I think people shouldn't be afraid to just throw up some videos on their social media and it doesn't need to be so produced. And actually one of my clients, even with the brand partnerships last year, they're like, don't even put your, like, they wanted me to be so like casual because we were all at home in the pandemic. So if it was overproduced last year, it was like almost turning people off because the world was at home. So we had to like adapt to the trend and be relatable. And if people are at home in sweats and all of a sudden you're showing up with like light kits and all this beautifully produced videos, it was almost like doing the wrong thing and sending them away versus attracting. Yeah. You've mentioned TikTok a couple of times. Can advisors really get business from TikTok? Well, it's interesting. I'm now going to go way more in TikTok because TikTok in Reels is now connected. So Reels is very hot on Instagram right now. And you could produce a video in TikTok and save it without the trademark and use that same video content and post it on your Instagram Reels. So this is like a, a new thing before they wouldn't allow that. And now they allow it. But depending on, again, what you're trying to do, a lot of people are on TikTok and I've just seen a lot of success with the FinTalk. That's what it's called, the FinTalk community. And even, um, I'm sure you know, Caleb Silver of Investopedia does a great job with his TikTok videos for the Investopedia page. And he's not a practicing advisor, but there's many ways to produce content. It doesn't, it's not all just for like Gen Z. Like, you know, a lot of people are on TikTok and just, you know, figure out who your market is again, and then make, make videos in that platform. If you think you can also leverage those videos elsewhere. I love that point because sometimes people generalize a platform. For example, they'll mm -hmm. say, well, TikTok is just dancing videos or <laughs> Twitter is just, I don't care what people had for breakfast, right? As if those are the only uses for that platform. But TikTok is in fact a powerful video editing tool inside of an app with an audience and there are probably people inside your target demographic on that platform consuming media. The question mm -hmm. is, how can you use it to create media that they will want to consume? And that's where it gets tricky, but it's not all just dances. That's right. <laughs> As you alluded that's to. That's true. Yeah. Well, Brittany, we're almost out of time. Um, we'd like to get a little bit of parting advice for you. So we really appreciate everything that you've shared today. So if there was one thing out of everything we've talked about that you would like 
the audience to take away that you think will help them get started in the right direction, what would it be? I would say find a brand that's authentic to you and be consistent with it. You know, I've been doing content for like almost 10 years now consistently. And it's taught me a lot about, oh, if you're just consistent, things will happen. <laughs> like, I kind of wish I would have known that in the beginning, like, oh, all you had to do is produce consistent content and a like very good brand and all my goals and dreams would happen. But it really is that true. Uh, if you're consistent and you have a good solid brand and you're not afraid to evolve, you'll do well. You know, the beauty of all of this is there's what, like over 7 billion people in the world. Um, so there's never a lack. <laughs> there's only an abundance and um, there's only one you. So even if 10 million other financial advisors are creating content and whatever platform you choose, there's only one you. So if you just figure out what that is going to mean in terms of like a brand and messaging, you'll and do it consistently, you'll have success. I could not give better advice. <laughs> and, and you know, the, the challenge sometimes is we get impatient. We're not willing yeah. to stick with it long enough yeah. to reap the benefits of it. But clearly you have, and Brittany, thank you for everything you shared. I think Peter probably said it best in his chat. He said, great job, Brittany. I always enjoy your perspective on these topics. Oh, thanks, Peter. Appreciate it. And I would say the same. Thank you very much for your time and your insights today, Brittany. If people want to get in touch with you, uh, how can they do it? Um, the best way, I well, two things. Go to my website and just sign up for the free uh, investor toolkit. We're actually updating it now, but at least you'll see like my marketing if you want an inside scoop of how it is all done. And then two, follow me on Instagram and you could DM me on Instagram. I actually look at all the DMs and a lot of advisors hit me up in Instagram. That's like the best place if you want to just like reach out to me connect, uh, personally. But Robert, thank you so much. Congrats on your book. I love everything you do and Snappy Kraken. You have an amazing team and I think you're such a valuable resource for the financial advisor community and um, everybody should be working with you if they're not already. Well, thank you, Brittany. <laughs> I appreciate that. And I, I am going to go out on a limb here since you are doing professional promotions and things now. Is there a place where an advisor would ever want to hire you to help them with their brand or content? Oh, absolutely. Um, just direct message me on Instagram. Yep. We'll figure it out. Yeah, I, I've done that in the past and I'm open to it. So if, if you anybody needs help with their marketing, wants some sort of consultant, I'm your girl. Awesome. Thank you, Brittany. And thank you, everybody, for thank joining you. us. Have a good day. Thank you.